You're at the Over or Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. Welcome to Over and Under. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. Thank you so much for streaming the podcast today. I guess it could be the evening, it could be the night, whatever time of day it is, whatever activity you may be involved with. I do appreciate this time together, and uh, I hope you get something out of this show. Just for full disclosure, I'm not no college professor. Matter of fact, the highest level of my education is high school. If you're looking for some high-level intellectual, this might I might disappoint you. But if you're more of that type, kind of like that, uh, what's that commercial, farmer's insurance or something, where the guy says, uh, we know a couple of things because we've seen a couple of things, I'm your guy. I've seen a lot of stuff. I've, I've lived a lot of life. I've experienced a lot of different situations. So I would say unapologetically, I would probably place myself, at least when it comes to analyzing what is true, right up there with some of the most learned people. Matter of fact, I think some of the people who have the highest levels of education have a hard time seeing truth because to believe some of the things that we are told, you would have to have a high level of, well, let me say indoctrination that is being passed along as education in order to believe some of this stuff. So if you've heard some of my other podcasts, whenever I'm trying to define a word, sometimes I go directly to what is opposite of the meaning of that word. I find that helpful. I mean, when you think about it, when you're talking about what is true, well, true means that things have been brought to its lowest common denominator and you really do get boxed into well true is true but what is true so keep in mind when you get down to the naked truth of any matter you have got to the lowest common denominator and to ask why any more after that well it's, it's kind of pointless and fruitless that's why you have to have agreement on things such as the meanings of words but before I get too far off into that, let's talk about maybe one of the biggest lies told uh, in history, and that would be the Nazi big lie. So this comes from Hitler. It comes from Mein Kampf. And what Hitler says, and this is often uh, attributed to Joseph Goebbels. I'm sure Joseph Goebbels probably repeated in some shape, form, or manner. I, I imagine Mein Kampf was, was required reading for the Nazis. Let me quote this for you. It comes from Hitler. If you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. The lie can be maintained only for such a time as the state can shield the people from the political, economic, and or the military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress dissent, for the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie, and thus by extension the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. Wow. So I think Hitler was 100% correct. I would not believe in pushing that policy, but I do believe, for instance, that truth is the mortal enemy of the lie. The truth is the greatest enemy of the state. A psychological profile that I found on the virtual Jewish library, a psychological profile of Hitler, described his use of the big lie, and it is as follows. His primary rules were never allow the public to cool off, Never admit fault or wrong. Never concede that there may be good in your enemy. Never leave room for alternatives. Never accept blame. Concentrate on one enemy at a time and blame him for everything that goes wrong. 
People will believe a big lie sooner than a little one. And if you repeat it frequently enough, people will sooner or later believe it. So I think that's pretty insightful and very true. Because why, why is it a big lie so easier to accept than a smaller lie? Well, the more outlandish it sounds, right? It's got to be correct. There's got to be something to corroborate this incredible uh, allegation, right? So the more fantastic it is, I guess for some people, not myself, the more fantastic it sounds to me or the overblown it is, I, I, it's just my natural nature to become even more skeptical. I'm skeptical by nature. So when I hear something so outlandish, I'm like, that don't sound right. That don't sound correct. That's not to say that I haven't ever come across something that I just could not believe only to find out that it was true. But in most cases, the more outlandish to me, the more skeptical I become. And so I guess it's just people are more willing to, to believe the fantastic depth and the level and the, just the craziness of the allegation. So let me tell you or share with you another story. I love to tell stories. This is a favorite story of mine. I hope you'll like it. And maybe you'll be able to make a connection between what we're talking about today, that being truth and the story itself. But let me just jump right into it. The story goes like this. There was a gentleman who every day he went to work and he would get with his uh, co-workers at lunchtime. And when he'd open his lunch pail and he'd pull out a sandwich and he would say, ah, tuna fish sandwich. The next day he would uh, go through the same routine. They would go to have lunch. He'd open his lunch pail and he'd say, oh my gosh, tuna fish again. The third time he's like, man, he's, he's pissed. He takes the sandwich, he slams it against the wall. He kicks the lunch pail across the room and, the, and his co-workers say, dude, why don't you just get your wife to make you a different sandwich? And he looks confused at him and he says, what do you mean by that? I make my own sandwiches. Well, so I, I guess what I'd like for you to take from that is you're responsible for your discovery of truth and do not confuse what I just said. There's not a truth for you to discover for yourself. Don't get personal preferences confused with things that are factual. You might like Pizza, I might not. You might like vanilla ice cream. I might like chocolate. Those are true statements, but to claim that one is superior over the other one is better. That's not, those are, that, that would be a falsehood. That, that's just a, an opinion that you have, and you're free to have opinions. That's fine, but that's not a fact, and that's not true. So I do believe that there is an absolute truth. It is not dependent on feelings and emotions. It is not dependent on situations. And it is definitely not relative to what you might think otherwise. So the real question comes to be not that truth is not something solid that you can embrace, but I think what comes into question is to what degree can we know a truth? I mean, how far do you need to go down that road to know everything that you can uh, know about that truth. Let's look at another more recent big lie, and that is the lie of the Trump-Russian collusion. Never happened. Uh, Mueller investigated it for almost two years, and he found insufficient evidence to indict or prosecute. But a lot of people were indicted and prosecuted, uh, some I think very questionable, but Let's look at some, I think there was like 32 indictments. Of those, you had 13 Russians and three affiliated companies. Good luck with that. 
Uh, the other were 12 intelligent agents for Russia. Good luck with that. And we'll have to worry about that because Vladimir is not turning those people over. So, I mean, that was just uh, smoke, if you will, just going through the motions. But look at the Americans that were uh, convicted. You got Michael Cohen, former Trump attorney. False statements to Congress is why he went to prison. Paul Manafort, former Trump campaign chairman. Two federal cases involving tax, bank fraud, money laundering, and obstruction. All to the best of my knowledge that it occurred before he came onto the Trump campaign. George Papadopoulos, former Trump campaign aide. He for lying to the FBI. Michael Flynn, lying to the FBI. Rick Gates, former Trump campaign and uh, partner of Paul Manafort, conspiracy, lying to FBI and special counsel office. Alex Van Der Swan, attorney, lying to the FBI. Now, me personally, there's two that I'm just going to deal right off the deck and throw them to the side because that was just a sham. And that was the conviction of Michael Flynn and George Papadopoulos. As for the rest of them, it does look like Manafort was pretty dirty in his dealings as far as tax evasion, embezzlement. But this had nothing to do with Russian collusion. This is a very good possibility. Well, it was. The FBI was investigating him prior to coming on to Trump's campaign. And you would just think that somebody would have went over to the Trump campaign to say, hey, look, we just want to let you know a few things about this guy. But they did not. Like I said, I would I would like to thought that they would have gave a heads up. What I'm getting at real quick is all these indictments and these convictions had nothing to do with a Russian collusion. Then you had Adam Schiff in those uh, congressional hearings that just kept on pounding and pounding, wanting so hard to find a Russian collusion. And I think they settled on... Uh, the call that Trump made to Ukraine trying to get to the bottom of what was going on with Burisma and that oil company, which they're doing that right now. So I don't know how many people are going to put away in prison for looking at possible criminal activity, but the president had every right to try to find out what kind of influence was being peddled through Russia and the Ukraine. So, I mean, I don't know how you go after Trump when you've got some obvious suspects that you should be looking at, and that would be Biden and his son. You know, I'll give you an idea of how skeptical I am, and uh, I guess you can tell a lot of people say I'm a conservative. I would like to say that the C stands for common sense. I find it odd that you're put in a category just for having common sense. But when I heard the, the, the stories about Hunter's laptop, I'm like, that's that's insane. That's crazy. That, that's, that's really hard to believe that he dropped off two laptops with all that damning evidence. I'm not going to say that uh, I didn't look into it. I mean, it was it was curious. And as I looked into it, you know, you come to find out by his own writing and his own uh, interviews that he was heavily uh, doing cocaine, crack, fentanyl. God only knows what else. I mean, when he's supposed to be leading all these big business deals, he's high as a kite. He's uh, having sex with prostitutes, got belts tied around their necks, slapping them in the butt. And you're like... Yeah, well, maybe a guy like that would take two laptops and possibly drop them off to somebody. That just goes back to giving you some idea how I go about trying to figure out what's true and what's not true. And can we ever get to a solid truth? Maybe it just comes down to making the best you'll ever do is make an informed decision about something. That's typically going to be about the best you can do about uh, politics and politicians is make the best informed decision that you can make. 
I'd like to also point out all the absurdity of these people going to prison for lying. Now, what I mean by that is, yeah, I think you, you should be held accountable. And if you're lying to Congress and you're lying to the FBI, yeah, I think you should be held accountable. But what I don't, what I do have a problem with is some of the people that were doing the prosecuting, some of the people that were making allegations did the same thing. The FBI knew about everything about the Steele dossier. They were the ones that presented. They knew that it came from a questionable source, the Hillary campaign, but they proceeded on anyway. I'd also like to bring to your attention that all these people that were prosecuted for lying, well, those lyings never led to Russia. I don't know exactly what they caught them in, but if it had led to solid information to get a strong conviction over something so as important as colluding with Russia, they wouldn't be going after false statements. They would be going for the exact crime of colluding with Russia. So I don't know. The whole thing just uh, it's like a farce as for people who got caught up in this thing that were actually dirty. And I just want to pull back a little bit. I don't know if I'm going to read his book or not. I'd like to read Paul Manafort's book, but it does appear at least at first glance that he's He's very questionable, shady business guy, along with his buddy Rick Gates. It seems like they were embezzling from banks. They just, they're shady characters. So if you're a criminal, not that I want to give you the heads up about anything, but it really is stupid. If you're involved in that level of criminality, I would not be a campaign manager of a major presidential candidate. I mean, the spotlight just comes all over you. And what you've been doing in the past that seems to be going up underneath the rug somewhere all of a sudden has a lot of light shined on it. Uh, the people that were more than happy to let you go about your merry criminal ways you know, they get called to task. They get called into question, and it's just not a good place to be. So as much money as Mr. Manafort made, either honestly or dishonestly, that was a really, really stupid move. I do at this point have a lot of sympathy for uh, George Papadopoulos and Michael Flynn. Maybe I will get to read their books before too long and, and hear their side of the story because I just think they got caught up in a uh, a web, if you will. I'm not too sure that they truly did anything wrong. And uh, with Paul Papadopoulos, I mean, after he pled guilty for lying to the FBI, he was given 14 days in prison. How big a lie was that? I, I, I don't get that. I guess for me, the thing that I really struggle with is if these people did indeed deserve to go to prison, why are the people such as Adam Schiff and those people who were doing those hearings that looked at the American people and straight up lied to you, telling you that they had irrefutable evidence of Russian collusion on the part of Trump. Why are they not going to prison? Look at the money that they cost us. All these other people could have been indicted and convicted without any grand Russian collusion. The, the crimes that they committed were not even related to uh, Trump or Russia. And yet, all these people who made this huge lie, and they must have read Mein Kampf from Hitler, because not once have you heard uh, an apology from Adam Schiff. Not once. Not once did he uh, apologize to Trump, nor the American people, for pushing that falsity. Don't even know if falsity is a word. It should be, though. I like it. I'm keeping it. You know, if you go back and you look... Uh, 
1700s, 1800s, early 1900s, mostly late 1800s, 1900s, you'll see a lot of statues, you'll see a lot of paintings that depicts truth as a woman coming out of a well that is naked. It's a fascinating picture. I've always looked at it. A lot of times she's holding a mirror. And so I traced it back after doing a Google search. Tale originates in India, and I hope I don't butcher it too much. But anyhow, Truth and Lie were having a day together. They were spending time together. It was a beautiful day. The lie would say, hey, it's a beautiful day. Truth would look up and say, yeah, it is. It's a, it's a beautiful day. They found themselves next to a spring, and the water felt really good. And the lie said, you know, we ought to get, to get in and bathe and enjoy the coolness of the water. But anyhow, once they get into the spring, the lie jumps out, chasing after the lie. And people were turning their heads away from the nakedness of truth and wouldn't focus on her. So I guess that's where we hear things like you've heard that term, the naked truth. I think that plays right back into what Hitler said. A lot of people would just assume, grab hold of a big lie, then look at the naked truth. Another thing is a lot of those pictures show truth holding a mirror and reflecting outward. I think I was, uh, I didn't know the whole story. I always thought that the woman in the bottom of the well of truth uh, demonstrated that when you looked into the well, you saw reflection, you saw reality. That was truth reflecting outward. I, I didn't know that, that uh, story that came before what I, what I was uh, exposed to. But it's a great story. I think there's a lot of truth in that, and that comes from a lot of observation. I really think that you are responsible for your journey at discovering truth. Truth is to be discovered. It is something that is solid, not something to be constructed. You know, just uh, staying with the truth in the mirror and the reflection, you know, I think of the anorexic that looks inside the mirror and doesn't see the reflection, the true reflection. The true reflection is saying, you need medical attention. You need to be nourished. You need to be eating. But she cannot take that, or that person dealing with that eating disorder cannot deal with the reality. Truth has to correlate with reality, or unless it's it's worthless. So, I mean, it can it can be an inconvenience. Somebody could uh, tell you to be somewhere at an appointment at a, at a wrong time and, and you miss it. That's, a, that's quite an inconvenience. Um, it could have deadly results. Back to Nazi Germany, I think, shows that to be quite true. Millions of people killed over a lie. So how do we go about determining truth? And if and if you do really care about truth and you and you even start down the road, kudos to you. That's a lot more than most people do. Most people look out and they see the masses, the mobs, they see the emotion and they simply say, "Well, it must be true. That many people that upset, that many people that are saying the same thing and parroting the same thing, it must be true." But some people look at it and really want to see if there's anything to this allegation that is causing this large upheaval. So when you're determining truth, there's a lot of ways to determine truth. Um, and you got to make sure that you're taking the right route to get the right answer. For instance, if I asked you to mathematically prove to me that Abraham Lincoln ever existed, you can't do that. If I had presented you with a mathematical question, that would have been a good route to go. So 
I'm trying to tell you that you have to use the right journey, if you will. I'm sure there's better words I could be using right now. But you need to take the right tact when you're trying to answer certain questions. They're not always going to fall under the same path as you're trying to discover. If, if it's a science question, it needs to be pursued scientifically. Um, I told you that uh, I'm not a uh, professor or anything, but this does come from scholars. I wish I could tell you what source I got it from. I forgot. I just jotted it down in a notebook, and I should have truly wrote down the source of it. But it was called The Laws of Logic. Uh, number one is the law of non-contradiction. Something cannot both be and not be. You cannot be a man and a woman at the same time. That, that's an impossibility. You might even hear people what they call postmodernists who say there's no universal truth, which is self-defeating because in that statement they have made a universal truth. They want you to believe that there's no universal truth. So in stating that, they uphold the law of non-contradiction. You have the law of identity. This allows us to identify what we're talking about. You know, basically the way that I take this, I hope I'm taking it right, is that words have meaning. You have to have, you, you need to understand what the definition of is is in order to have a coherent conversation about what is. If uh, we were talking about brushing our teeth, we would have to agree on what a toothbrush was and what teeth are, as opposed to somebody being silly talking about you cannot assign meaning to certain things. Probably the craziest thing I ever heard of was a guy named uh, Dr. Sidegod. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. But he was uh, having dinner with one of these postmodernists. And, you know, he's always been intrigued by, by the way, this guy's pretty liberal. He's pretty, he's pretty left in a lot of ways. But he also is a seeker of truth. And the postmodernists have always, I guess, fascinated him. So as he's talking to this uh, other educator, he says, well, you do have to admit there are some universal truths such as the sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. He said, no, no, that's not necessarily true because what you call a sun, I might call a dancing hyena. He said, okay, well, we'll, we'll go down that route. The dancing hyena rises in the east and the dancing hyena sets in the west. No, that was not good enough because he was trying to assi assign word meaning to this, which just obscures truth. And I really do believe that is the true agenda of postmodernism is to deconstruct any knowledge that we have built on since the beginning of man and just to throw us into the depths of confusion where we can't even have a decent conversation because if words have no meaning, then we cannot even start down that path for truth. So it could, it could truly turn into whatever I want it to be. The law of the excluded middle, which says something, you know, that's basically saying is something true or is it not? There's not a third way. I'll use uh, Jesus Christ's claim, which I believe, just using it for an example here, but I truly do believe it. Jesus Christ said, it's only through me that you can come through the Father. So for the point of this conversation, that's either a truth statement or it is not. It does not offer a third alternative. There's nothing in between that statement. He's either absolutely 100% right or he's 100% wrong. And then there's the law of inferences. What can we draw from what we know? If I were to tell you that I am 
the oldest in my family, and I would go off to sit to prove it out. Maybe I have to go to the extent of telling you, well, I'm older than my second brother. My second brother is older than my third brother. Because my second brother is older than my third brother, the inference is that I am the oldest because I'm older than the second brother. I know that sounds crazy. It might even sound so elementary that uh, it wasn't even worth bringing to you. But I'm telling you, that's, that's where we're at today is that elementary, we can't even agree on the meanings of words. I mean, what happens when we look into truth's mirror and a man looks in there and he says, I know I see a man, but in my mind, I'm a woman. I don't know what to tell you about that. And I am not making light of that. I can't even imagine what that should could feel like, the confusion to actually look and look at your reflection, just like the anorexic or anybody else that has a dysphoria. When they look into the mirror, when it does not line up, is the answer to make things look other than what's presented? I don't know if that's the answer. Is, is it more hurtful? And it's important that we have the ability to speak and at least agree on what certain words mean. Male and female, that's very important. We can play that silly reindeer game, but when it comes to medical procedures, when we're giving medicine, they have to take into account what the sex, what the gender is of that. And to try to separate gender from sex, that is something that is something very new. I wish that the people who are pushing all these things would at least admit to the fact these are these are brand new perceptions that those people that have been around and seen a thing or two and know a thing or two they were introduced to this 15 minutes ago you'll probably hear me say that a lot on this podcast when I'm talking about a lot of these new social constructs because in the history of mankind it is it's being kind to say that it's been around for 15 minutes I would say during my lifetime my lifespan and that these new social constructs that we are being faced with happened 15 minutes ago. If you put it on a uh, continuum and the time that it took for these things to develop. So I hope um, I gave you some kind of insight as to what truth is. It was it, it was it didn't answer every question. It wasn't meant to. I mean, it, it is quite a deep question, is it not? But there are people if you want to get uh, go to a philosophy class or just uh, get you a book on philosophy and look into the different thoughts and perceptions. I, I guess I would fall under what they call a classical empiricism. Not for everything, because that doesn't even answer the questions of everything. But I am one of those guys I like to see, touch, try, kick the, kick the tire. I like to look at the dipstick on the on the oil and uh, make sure the car has it all, all its fluids and is ready to go. Um, I, if I was one of the uh, apostles of Christ, I would probably have been doubting Thomas. I would have uh, been amazed with the miracles of Christ. But I think I would have probably been the one that would want to have put my fingers, my hands on the nail-scarred hands of Christ to, uh, to believe it. And as of today, I accept it fully by faith because of the testimony of those who saw and, and the personal experiences that I could never relate to you through classical empiricism. The best I could do, which I will not downplay, I think it's powerful, I could pray that God would make you so aware 
that uh, you would come to know that he is God. But just for the sake of this conversation and keeping it in the context, there's really no way for me to make you convinced that there is a God. I mean, because you walk around his creation all the time and to think that there's not a designer of that to at least put you on the path to think that there might be something bigger than you, something more superior. For me, I have full faith that those questions of the universe are answered within God in science. Uh, I guess that best can explain like the Big Bang Theory. I've heard a hammer hit a nail. I can only imagine when God went to work to create this universe, it might have been an incredible explosion. So, at least to me, the two things can exist together and be true. Uh, when God started uh, creating the world, it, it culminated in a big bang that we uh, we got started with. So, those are just some of my thoughts on how do we go about finding out what is true. It's important that you at least make the effort because at the end of the day, sometimes the best you're going to be able to do is make an informed decision, put a lot of uh, credence in what the source is, where the information is coming from. If it's been a source that has proved to be an outright liar time and time again, you know, if you're a betting man, you're going to have to go with the with the overwhelming possibility that they are continuing true to form and that they are lying you know, incredibly, a liar has the opportunity and sometimes does tell the truth. And sometimes a very honest person can be very honestly wrong. That's why I will always continue to go back is that you need to start going down these roads yourself. You know, and another thing, it's, it's not a 100% true, but when you're talking to somebody who at least feels like they have the truth, they're not going to be all emotional about it. They're not going to oversell you. They're going to place it in front of you. At least, I guess I'm talking more about myself than anybody. Because I don't think that uh, I need to beat things into you. Like I said, when it comes to salvation in Christ, not even Christ did that. He made a simple offer. And if any tragedy occurred, it didn't usually happen to the people that he was trying to reach. It happened that day that he got up on that cross and was nailed to that cross and died and took on the sins of the world. And even after that, it's an open invitation. So I guess in the, in the vein of our Lord Jesus Christ, I would like to offer these comments, these, I, I'm going I'm to be humble and say opinions of mine. I, I believe them. I wouldn't have told you these things if I did not believe them that I offer it to you. You can freely take it, do what you will with it. I would strongly recommend never let me or anybody else be your single source uh, for, for truth. Okay. So with that, I think I've done about the best I can talking about the uh, topic of truth, what it is and what it is not. I hope you have a really great day. Pray for blessings upon your house. Keep you healthy till we can get together on over and under again. Out like a scout. Y'all take care now. Bye.